You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Hey folks, welcome to a special episode of The Projection Booth. This is an interview that I did with Miranda Bailey. That is not the fictional character from Grey's Anatomy. This is an actual real-life person. She's been involved with a ton of great films, including Swiss Army Man and Super. And she is a writer, producer, actress, director. She's done a whole lot of great things. I cover a lot of ground with her with this interview. So stick around, check it out. Hope you enjoy it. Well, you know, you're what, a quadruple threat or something? You know, well, at least a triple threat here with writing, acting, directing. Well, actually quadruple because you produce as well and you produce a ton of stuff. Uh, yeah, I mean, I can't sing or dance very well, but... <laughs> I won't hold it against you. I do a lot of different things in the storytelling genre. Well, I want to talk to you about some of your more recent projects uh, and some of the upcoming ones, but I wanted to kind of get a little bit of background on you. From what I understand, you were more of a, a skier than a uh, uh, an entertainer. I guess that's entertaining as well, but can you kind of tell me how you went from the, the slopes to maybe New York and kind of you know, started your, your acting career? Yeah, I mean, well, you know, I think all of us as kids, we kind of just live in our parents' world until we can break free of it. And, you know, I grew up in Colorado, and the thing to do there was ski, and my dad was very much into competitive sports and really enjoyed me being a competitive skier, and I wanted to win for him as much as I could, and so that was kind of what I did, but I did always want to be an actress ever since my dad took me to go see um, this movie being made by a friend of his called Brian Dennehy, and I was eight years old when I went to my first set. And I just knew that that was what I wanted to do. But you couldn't really do that where I was from in Colorado. It wasn't really like a thing. And so my parents were like, well, when you go to college, you can do whatever you want. I got into Skidmore College and I think I was supposed to, I was supposed to ski for their team. But um, after the first day of dry land training, I realized I don't have to do this anymore. I can just study acting and directing. And so that's what I did. And just kind of focused from 18 on. Yeah, it seems like you really kind of uh, just came out great guns in like uh, 99. It looks like you just are doing a ton of stuff. It came out here then, um, but it's been a really long, challenging, hard haul over the last, you know, whatever, however, however many years since then. It's not easy, and you just kind of have to stay in the game as long as you can. And luckily, I'm still here, so... Fortunately, the movies that I've been able to do in like the last three to four years are the ones I think that are really starting to get my momentum as a producer anyway. Did you start off primarily with being an actress in mind? I was focused on acting for quite a while, but I always was producing even when I was acting because I'm not really someone who likes to just like wait for someone to tell me when I can do what I like to do. <laughs> so I produced like a bunch of plays and then a friend of mine was in a movie and they needed a producer and I wanted to learn about that. And then I started a production company and I was still auditioning, but at the same time participating in the productions that we were doing. And then, you know, then there was, I started to also enjoy producing and produce several movies that I wasn't in. You know, it's kind of all of us. Like, my, my, my focus is kind of always growing, I guess you would say, because it's, you know, it's gone from 
acting into producing, into documentary filmmaking, into narrative directing, back to acting again. I mean, it just kind of depends on the project, really. Do I like the project? You know, what would my role be? Whether it's producer or like I've shot, <laughs> you know, behind the scenes footage for stuff. So, <laughs> I don't know. Tell me about the producing, and especially, yeah, you were talking about the last few years. It looks like you've been a very, very busy person. Since, I would say, I guess it was Girl, Diary Teenage Girl, Onward, Diary Teenage Girl, Time Out of Mind. And, you know, from there on, it's been quite a sprint. You know, I was able to, I don't know, just find projects that I really liked. And I, I, I do like working a lot. I feel very um, uncomfortable when I don't have a thousand things to do. I'm not good at resting. It's really uncomfortable for me, which is why I probably could not be just an actor because it's too hard to wait around. I don't like waiting. One of the projects that you worked on over the last couple of years was Swiss Army Man, which became a, a bit of a breakout hit. Can you tell me, how did you get involved with that project? So I did Time Out of Mind uh, with Orin Movement, and there's producer Lawrence Ingley on that. And Lawrence and I became friends, and Lawrence had a bunch of other projects he was working on, and he had a business trip to L.A., and we were at the Soho house drinking some drinks, and he was telling me about some of his projects, um, trying to see if, you know, I wanted to partner up with him. And then, um, you know, they all they all sounded good, but they all, you know, they weren't like kind of, I don't know, they just didn't like, I wasn't like, yeah, you know, until he, he, he I was like, I don't know, I just want to do something different and something kind of, you know, weird or whatever. And he was like, well, what about this one? There's this other one that I've been developing. And he had been developing it with these guys for a while. And he pitched it to me, and then he told me that, you know, that they did the music video for Turn Down for What? And I was like, yeah, that one. Yeah, let's partner on that one. And he was like, really? And I'm like, yeah. And so he gave me the script that night, and then we got the guys in to meet with me and um, Amanda Marshall, who was the other producer on it, and, you know, we had a great meeting, and th then that was it. But ideally, we we wanted to, like, do it with the money we had that we could bring to the table. but the budget was, it was, you know, obviously it's a very complicated film, even though there's only two people in it, but we needed to find other financing partners. There was a process of that, and we went through a couple script revisions as well and brought the cast on that could be meaningful, doing the typical kind of producing stuff, but it was really fun, and we knew we wanted to sell it to A24. It was like our dream, but, you know, you never know if you can actually get it. So, But it was a lot of, uh, it was a lot of fun. It was a really... It was a really unique experience. I know I'll never have that experience again, so I'm really glad I did it. It's a rather unique film. Yeah, definitely nothing that I had seen before, and I was so impressed with it. And it's one that I've gone back to a few times after seeing it the first time. I mean, I really like it. And, you know, one of the things that was hard, I think, for the guys at the beginning of us trying to find, you know, financing partner or maybe do it with a bigger budget is that, the, you know, there wasn't a comp, right? And so everyone in Hollywood wants to find like, oh, well, you know, what is, what can we comp it to, compare it to so that we can know how much money to put in it? And it's like, it's not Weekend at Bernie's, it's not Castaway, you know, it's like, it's not these things because no one really understood what these guys were trying to do. But, you know, but we did because we make really small movies and also these guys have been practicing what, they wanted to do in their short form material. And so I think it's easier for smaller companies like myself to kind of wrap their head around something that's new and unique. 
than it is for maybe more established companies. Not only are you producing these things, but occasionally you're acting in them. I'm curious how you got involved with Don't Think Twice. I mean, that that's gotten a lot of buzz here in Detroit because of Keegan-Michael Key. That one, I'm, I'm very curious what the story was behind that one, because I'm a big Mike Birbiglia fan. Yeah. No, I mean, that one, that's also a really, I think, fun story. So Mike did Sleepwalk with me, which I thought Sundance, and I loved it. And I'm um, I also am a partner in a distribution company. Because, you know, I like to be busy. <laughs> and I said to the to the guys in the distribution company, like, this is a movie we should get. Like, we should get this movie. It's really great. It's going to do really well. I believe in this guy. And he was kind of up-and-coming comedian. And that was right when we had kind of started the distribution company. And it did, you know, it ended up going to another, another distributor. And I was like, look, I'm going to get his next movie. Uh, and so I ended up meeting with him in New York and we had a great lunch at the, you know, this, this restaurant that had this like amazing view. And we just essentially sat there and like had a great time complaining about all of the things we hated about Hollywood <laughs> and all of the things we loved about making movies. Um, and so we just vibed, we really vibed. And then, you know, I think we, you know, he came in and had a meeting with us. Um, with the with the team here, and it was it went really well, and we knew he wanted to do his next project, but I don't think he necessarily knew what that was going to be yet. And then I just periodically kind of checked in with him and saw his shows, and you know, just checked in with him and his his agents. And then he called me and said, "Hey, remember how you want to make my movie? I've got a script. It's going to go out. I'm going to get it to you." And you know, and I was like, "Great. What's it about?" And he was like, improv. And inside, like, my heart died a little bit because I'm like, oh, fucking improv. How's that going to be good? <laughs> you know? But, uh, but then uh, at the same time, like, he could have turned in, like, a blank piece of paper to me because I knew I was going to do whatever I could to work on his next project because he was just someone I really, you know, he's super talented and I really believe in. And not only that, like, he's just genuinely really fun to be around and I don't know. I mean, life is too short to hang out with jerks. I have yet to see Norman. That seems like a, a, a really different film for you. I mean, just looking at the cast list and like, wow, you know, Richard Gere and Michael Sheen and all these people. It just seems like a, a different cut. It doesn't seem like it might be a small movie, but maybe not in the same way that uh, these others are small movies. No, it's movies. a big, small movie. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, it's definitely the, a bigger movie than that, that. That that that's the biggest movie I've ever made and been a part of, and so that was a wonderful experience. And again, it became about working with a filmmaker with Joseph. So, you know, like I was a fan of Footnote, which was his smaller Israeli film, and then Oren, you know, my friend from Time Out of Mind, he brought me onto that project, and he was producing it because Orin and I had a great relationship on Time Out of Mind, and this was a very easy, yes, I, I would like to be a part of it. It has its production challenges in terms of, like, budget and shooting in New York and an Israeli co-production, and, you know, it's a kind of the first Israeli-America co-production, so there's a lot of kind of um, things that we had to discover along the way of how to, how to make that work and how to handle it and some learning experiences on it, but I love the movie. And it comes out on April 15th with Sony Pictures Classics. And they are like the best distributor for this film. So I'm so excited that I get to work with them again because they did Diary of a Teenage Girl. And I, I fell in love with the people over at Sony Pictures Classics on that movie. So I'm really thrilled that they are handling this one. What were some of the challenges of working with the Israeli co-production? 
it's more just like legal stuff and tax stuff and, you know, like how you get your tax incentives back. And it, it, it's hard to kind of get into the minutia of it all. And things take longer and like Fridays, they're not working. And then there's like 12 hours ahead of time, you know, like just like it doesn't ha- nothing happens right away. It, it's it's a slow trickle. I, I'm a relatively impatient person anyway, so <laughs> just, it was it was it was it was good because you know it, it helped me learn patience. Well, tell me about some of the other projects you've got coming out. I'm very interested in the pathological optimist. Just actually emailing right now to some of the graphic artists that are on it and trying to tweak the ending of it. And so we're just figuring out what we're going to do with that right now. We're kind of at the at that point where it's almost done and now it's all about how to get it out in the world and you know not have it misunderstood for my listeners at home <laughs> can you give them like the log line for it i don't know if if your listeners are familiar with kind of the fiasco that happened at the tribeca film festival last year but um there was this doctor that was a discredited doctor um from england who had lost his medical license because he had said or you know did a study alluding to the fact that the MMR vaccine caused autism. And anyway, he made a movie called Vax, which was, um, you know, a um, a movie actually probably more about the CDC than anything. But it, it kind of, uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't want to say anything bad about the movie, but it, it's like a non-filmmaker making a movie. And it got into the Tribeca Film Festival and then because it had a lot of misinformation or maybe maybe information that wasn't backed up in a legal way or I'm not exactly sure what happened, but it got it got a lot of backlash and it got kicked out of the Tribeca Film Festival. So I had been following that guy, that doctor, since right after he lost his license in England. So I have done a character portrait and my focus on this was not a a piece, anything other than, you know, like a meditation on rejection because he is like a very, very unliked person in the media and I think a lot of people and yet he also has this kind of group of followers who believe in him and and like him and, you know, it's almost like he's a martyr in a way and I thought that was a really interesting kind of dynamic and I was curious, you know, like, how does this man survive this? Or what is it like to be his wife? What is it like to be his children? What does he believe? Does he believe he's right? Does he believe he's, is he hiding a, is he keeping a secret? Like, you know, just, there were so many questions that I had, not about whether or not vaccines are safe or whether vaccines cause autism, but more about the character of a person who has to continually fight for their name despite you know, lots of evidence on the contrary that they are wrong, and and what what kind of person does that take? So, I follow him through a court case that's very little known, where he attempts to sue the British Medical Journal and journalist Brian Deer, and then it it culminates with him making this movie and getting rejected from the film festival. I've seen Vax, and uh, yeah, wow. So I'm very, very curious to see what you have to say about Wakefield. <laughs> well, I actually don't, I feel like I don't say anything about him. Uh, I feel that I show him and his life and his followers and his kind of, um, his personal journey, I guess you would say. His wife's journey of being married to him and, and the challenges that go along with that. So it's, it's, a, it's a personal 
it's a much more personal story as opposed to like Vax is like a you know a, you know a, a poor man's food ink maybe. Well, I think it's very timely. I mean, this whole idea of alternative facts and just what you're saying with him having these follows who are ardently believing what he has to say about the food and drug industry and about vaccines. So I think it's it's great that this is coming out, what, sometime next year, hopefully, or maybe even by the end hopefully of this year. This oh. year. <laughs> I mean, I'm hoping that it's 2017 because, frankly, I am sick and tired of the subject. <laughs> I mean, I just, I'm burnt out. It was a really challenging documentary to make, and there's been a big, um, you know, it's, it's not easy to to make something that people are afraid of talking about. I think that that's one thing that kind of makes me sad about the film business and art in general now is that, you know, we are being stifled in what we're allowed to say and not allowed to say, like what's popular, what's unpopular, and and. So I'm hoping maybe this will help that, but I, I imagine it'll probably just be another something that causes a riff. But, you know, what can you do? I'm proud of it. I think it's good filmmaking. That's what I care about. And what's it like for you wearing both the producer hat and the director hat on that one? Well, that one's probably a lot easier to do both on because it's a documentary, and most documentary directors, I believe, produce their own their own movies as well. Because it's, you know, you can contain everything in kind of one spot and, you know, you're like, even your editing is your writing and you don't know what you're going to get and stuff like that. So that was quite easy. I think on my next one, I'm shooting a movie in May um, that's starring Jim Gaffigan. It was announced yesterday. That's a, a narrative. And I think that one will be a little harder for me to pull back as a producer, although I'm trying very, very hard and, you know see what happens. I'm glad that you'll be working with Jim Gaffigan. He's uh, immensely talented. Yeah, I'm thrilled. He's he's a really nice guy. He's fun. He's perfect for the role. And and then Imagine Entertainment's on it as well. And so, you know, I get to have Ron Howard and Brian Grazer be producers on the project, which is like, you know, every, I was say every girl's dream, every filmmaker's dream. And we need more women directors. So I figure what's the best way to do that? I guess I can just direct something. It's not a very fair question for me to ask you what your experience has been being a uh, a female in Hollywood, because obviously you have no other experience other than being a female in Hollywood. But have you ever experienced any you know, institutional sexism or has it been fairly your talent proves who you are kind of thing? That is kind of a hard question, because like as an actor or actress, generally, I mean, obviously, there's sexism as an actress. Um, but as a producer, um, or a director, uh, or just like being in Hollywood itself, I don't know if I'm a, a fair assessment of that because the town I grew up in was so small. I mean, I, I graduated from a high school that was 10 people and eight of them were boys and two of them were girls. So the 20% of it being girls and 80, you know, 80% of it being boys is like totally normal to me. <laughs> you know, and like when you're ski racing, it's the same thing. So it never occurred to me that it was supposed to ever be balanced um, until, you know, this kind of awakening that the, that women, this reawakening that women have had. I mean, for me, it's not a problem because I run my own company and I make my own decisions and all of the women that are in my life are amazing and strong and we all support each other. So I don't give someone or not give someone a job because of if they're 
anything. They just have to be the best at it. You have worked on so many projects over the years. What have been some of your favorites that you've done? Working with James Gunn on Super was really great. I think I learned a lot. He's very meticulous and creative, and uh, he knows how to make a decision. So that was really wonderful because I have worked with filmmakers who are unable to make decisions, and then you're like, you're, you, that, that, that's just a very hard thing to be around. Anything else uh, stand up for you? The Squid and the Whale was very nice. <laughs> that was a good one. That was also something you know, that not, was unexpected that it would do so well. That was really quite nice, quite fun to be around as well and see like Jesse Eisenberg's first role to you know, where he ended up. That's pretty neat. Same with Noah Baumbach and where he ended up. It's so nice to talk to somebody who, I don't want to say you're content to make smaller films, but you know the role that smaller films can play, that you can make such a huge impact with what would be considered a little film. Yeah, I guess I, I feel comfortable in that area. I mean, I would like to someday, you know, like make a studio film and see what that's all about because people compare it to indie films all the time and I don't really know what they're talking about. <laughs> so I love to experience it just because, you know, I don't know, everything is always, that's, I guess I like doing things just because of the experience, not so much the end product. It's more like, what's it like in the moment when you're doing something, whether it's acting or producing or directing or watching a movie even. You're still acting these days, correct? I am. I, I did a film um, that I just found out playing at the Pan-African Film Festival called Like Cotton Twines where I got to go to Africa, I felt so lucky. I, I got to fly to Africa or get flown to Africa to make a, to act in a movie. And I became, you know, good friends with the director, good friends with Jay Ellis, who's doing really well on Insecure right now. And, you know, that was thrilling. And I'm going to work with her on something else. She's writing something else right now. So we'll see what happens with that. Well, Miranda Bailey, I am so glad that you are keeping busy. <laughs> Thank you. Me too. <laughs> Thank you very much for your time. This has been a real pleasure talking with you. Well, thanks a lot, Mike. Talk to you later. Da, 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 da.